Merry Christmas, everybody, and welcome to episode 24 of the Talking Football podcast. My name's Derek Clark, and every week I bring you an exclusive in-depth interview with some of the most colourful and interesting characters involved in the beautiful game. Don't worry if you've missed any so far. You can catch them all on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, and also by visiting the website derekclarksport.co.uk. Now, if you've opened up all your presents, started bashing into the selection box and have hit the bottles of bubbly, then what better way than to listen to another refreshingly candid, honest and humorous interview with former Dundee United and Celtic star David Hanna. It was a real delight to chat to David this week and hear about his story in the game. It's packed with great tales as always. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode of the Talking Fitbar podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Talking Football podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to say we're joined this week uh, by former Celtic and Dundee United midfielder. It is of one and only David Hanna. David, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, Derek. Uh, pleasure to be on. Yeah, David, you've had a great career in the game, of course. We'll start all the way back when you were born, 1973 in Copebridge, is that right? Yeah, well, slash Cope Bridge, but I always uh, like to refer that I was uh, born in Airdrie, really. <laughs> were, were you, were, Atlantic, Atlantic Shire boy, nonetheless. Yes, were you, were you brought up in, in Airdrie as a, as a youngster? Yeah, I was born and raised in Airdrie um, for the probably the first uh, 11, 12 years and then moved to another part of Atlantic Shire. I went moved to Hamilton. Ah, yeah, I'm from um, Hamilton myself, did. actually. Yeah, I went to Hamilton Grammar the last four years of my education before I went full-time with Dundee United in 1990. So, wow. yeah, I'm sure we should have crossed paths somewhere along the line. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we guess we were playing for sort of, we always sort of playing football as a youngster, I imagine, for boys clubs and that sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, when I first started out, believe it or not, uh, I was down the local parks in uh, Airdrie. And uh, I actually got involved with, uh, I was down with my, my big sister, believe it or not, and I saw a team uh, training away and playing away, and I happened to be a boys' brigade uh, football team. And it all just started from there, um, from a really young age, I got involved there, and then that subsequently led on to obviously playing for a couple of local teams in uh, Airdrie and Hamilton, and it all just basically stemmed from there. Yeah, did did you have a sort of any any role models, any sort of heroes that you you looked up to growing up? Uh, I suppose I was always uh, always liked old fashioned wingers, uh, the Davy Coopers, the the Davy Provins, uh, these types of players. I always like to see players that have had a wee bit of flair that can go by people, you know. So uh, you don't see so many nowadays, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I suppose they were the type of players that you sort of looked up to, the Kenny Douglasies and people like that when you were younger. Yeah, and I guess back then as a youngster, I mean, you don't see it so much now, but you you one of those that were was basically playing football from when it get light to when it get dark. Yeah, um, I had to get dragged, uh, dragged in, uh, and uh, obviously you'd be out first thing in the morning, and even when you went to school uh, back in the days, it was every uh, playtime, every lunchtime after school, quick bite to eat, out the door again, hold back in and get showered and stuff like that for school the next morning. So 
Um, it was the old uh, case of if your mum sent you down the sh- to the shops for milk and bread, you take the ball with you and kick it off the fence all the way down and all the way back, so to speak. But, yeah, I suppose like many others, uh, now obviously coming from my era as well, did. We very rarely see that nowadays, I suppose. Yeah, you certainly do not. Um, so you joined Dundee United, of course, then, David. Was that, did they just send scouts down to, to have a look at you then? Is that how that all came about? Well, obviously moving from Airdrie to Hamilton, um, obviously I was at Mill United to our quite a successful boys club back in the day. I think uh, Paul Hartley, Robbie Winters, myself, uh, Graham McShane, all these types of guys all come through the same uh, network, even although I was slightly older than Paul and Robbie. Um, they all went through the same boys club as me, so quite successful in that. And then, obviously, you train with now several different uh, professional teams. And then, obviously, Dundee United, obviously, I've been training with since I was 12 years old. I didn't sign S-forms until, I think, if I can remember correctly, was the UEFA Cup final 1987. Uh, Mr. McLean invited my parents and myself up to sign S-forms, and we managed to do all the signing of the S-form before the Cup final. And obviously got the opportunity to see the team in the final at Tannadice. So all basically stemmed from there. Then finished my education at Hamilton Grammar and then came full time 1990. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of luck uh, along the way. But, uh, yeah, got there in the end. Yeah, I mean, going up there, like you said, watching Dundee United in a, a European final, you must have been blown away by that as a, as a young boy. Well, you know, I think in the the 80s, as everybody knows, United and Aberdeen were probably just that little step ahead of the old firm. You know, obviously Aberdeen winning the Cup Winners' Cup and beating Real Madrid and obviously United just marginally losing out to Gothenburg. The real were powerhouses of European football in the 80s, especially the mid to late 80s with the great players of Aberdeen and the United of the time, you know, and obviously... Yeah, it was just an experience for me to actually be involved in that, just as a spectator, really, knowing that I was going to join a club that had this uh, fantastic history of giving young players an opportunity to come and play in the first team. Yeah, definitely. And and meeting um, the great Jim McLean for the first time, what what, what was he like? I guess, did they have sort of an aura about him? Well, he certainly had an aura about him, that's for sure. Um, Certainly well ahead of his time, as in terms of uh, his ideas about the game, you know, I was quite fortunate. I think that he quite liked me uh, from an early stage. I got what he was trying to do, as in terms of if he came in and ranted and raved at you. It was basically see what kind of reaction you would get or give. And I sort of uh, did what he wanted to do, as in terms of I'll go out and show you, so to speak. And uh, he sort of got me as well. And like, okay, we had a or had a fair crossings of the line between the both of us, but over the piece, uh, yeah, I, I find him uh, excellent to work under. Obviously, I worked under him as my manager. He gave me my debut as a young young guy, you know, and always appreciative of that, you know. And um, and it's just obviously sad now. Nowadays, obviously, I think he's in the nursing home and not keeping as well. But as I said. Uh, yeah, fantastic managers to obviously first start under. 
Yeah, the, what was I guess the, you're going up there as, as a youngster? Like, what was the sort of training and all that like? Was it did it, did it take you a while to get to get used to, it or did you sort of just take it on your on your stride? No, I think it's like it's like anything. Like when you leave uh, school and you go into your first job, whatever you do in your exams, okay, it gives you a, a, a footing. But when you go and start your first job, you're learning something totally different, and it was very similar to to that really because. You're obviously coming into a full-time environment and uh, we would train in the morning. We were on every afternoon on the, the Astro with Paul Sturrock at the time. He was the assistant manager, but he used to take the, the youth team at the time as well. And we would work on shape constantly. It would be 4-4-2. So the youth team would play 4-4-2. The two reserve teams would play 4-4-2. And obviously United's first team in the 80s, 90s played 4-4-2. Um, obviously, the idea being that everybody knew our system, and if you were good enough at 16, 17, 18 years old, and you played 4-4-2, you knew exactly what your position was if you get drafted into the reserves or in the first team. So little things like that, he was a little bit ahead of the curve, you know. So yeah, certainly different from what uh, the first 16 years of my upbringing in football <laughs> to when I went full time, you know, it is. There's a, is a big change and obviously showing a good attitude and being thick-skinned. I know the game's slightly changed nowadays and mythology and how you actually go about speaking to players, etc. Um, I'm sure uh, Mr McLean would have a, a few of them over <laughs> the iron these days. But uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a great upbringing, especially with the, the players that were still there at uh, Tanadice. You had Dave Neary, Morris Malpass, and uh, John Clarks of this world. You know, you still had Paul Hegarty, who was in and around the place. So, real legends of uh, the club, you know, and they said, uh, fantastic to let under. Yeah, did, did they did they guys sort of help you when, when you're breaking through, or were they, were they hard on you at the time? Um, obviously, they were obviously well established uh, themselves, so probably not initially. Um, because obviously I had to work through the youth team into the reserve team and then get my break into the first team. So um, it took me probably just a better part of two years before I had a chance in and around the, the first team. So, um, But as I said, uh, different class, they actually see them there. There's an aura about these kind of guys as well. And it was only good for the place. You know, I just wish uh, one or two of them... Uh, didn't move on uh, early 90s and they could have stuck about the place a little bit more it would have been fantastic to even keep learning from them you know yeah definitely Jim McLean was obviously renowned for his his contracts tying players down for a countless <laughs> number of years was that was that the, the case when it came to you David as well? Absolutely I was no different <laughs> um, I think my first contract was a four year contract with a four year option and then obviously I did fairly well in the youth team. We won the BP Youth Cup in 1990 and uh, he offered me a new contract, which was a three-year contract with a three-year option. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly more money. Um, but it wasn't about really the money back then. It was the opportunity to, because we all knew that if we did well, uh, the chair, well, I was going to say chairman there, but obviously Mr. McLean has been the manager and the chairman he would never be frightened of putting you in a first team. Um, I remember vividly uh, um, us playing against Glasgow Rangers at Tannadice, and I think it was round about 1992, and I hadn't made my 
full debut yet, and I was still in and around the, uh, the youth team. And he put me on the bench, and I'm sure the bonus, we drew the game 0-0. I think of my recollection serves me correct. And we picked up like 800 quid for a draw, and I was sitting on the bench thinking, wow, I just picked up 800 pounds. <laughs> That's probably my whole year's salary as a young player, you know. Um, but these are the kinds of things that Mr McLean used to do. He would certainly give youth a chance if you showed a good attitude and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was very grateful that he gave me my opportunity, you know. Yeah, and can you remember making your debut? I do. I made my debut, um, if I serve myself right, was actually in Airdrie at the old Broomfield. Oh, yes. And what a ground that was. Yeah, like <laughs> I used to go there uh, every week, every home game. I used to stand outside at 12 o'clock because I, I just lived up in uh, Gatley, yeah. which was literally 10-minute walk over the old Iron Bridge and walk through the back of Broomfield. And I would stand there and try and get a lift over each game <laughs> and stand there for a few hours. Normally I'd get either crawl under the old turnstile or get a lift over. And I was also a ball boy for a very brief period at Airdrie. I remember we used to get a pie and bovril and 50 pence for doing the match day ball boy. <laughs> and uh, subsequently, yeah, the way it worked out, uh, the Jim McLean uh, put me on. I think we won the game big dunk and... Paddy Conley scored. I think we won three-one or four, something like that. And my gran was there. Uh, my father was there as well. And uh, Mister McLean took the time out straight after the game to speak to my gran. She wasn't a shy lady. She was from Govan, so I think <laughs> she'd shouted something to him. And uh, he stopped and uh, she said, "Oh, my grandson made his debut." And they asked who it was, and obviously she said my name. And he said, "Oh, yeah, he'll be okay." So, uh, yeah, that was uh, all the way back in the day. I think I was around about 93, possibly, around about that time. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and of course, 94 was a big year for, for, for the for the club and yourself winning that um, when the club won the, the, the Scottish Cup. And Ivan Golak came in. What, what was he like? Because that was a, a different change of direction there at that time. Yeah, look, I think, uh, obviously, Jim McLean, having been at the club for such a long time as manager, um, he had his ways of doing things. And I even, obviously, like me still as a relatively young player and inexperienced, I, I found it in a breath of fresh air. You know, I didn't know any differently because I'd only worked under uh, Jim McLean for three or four years. Uh, and I even simply did a, had a different mentality. You know, um, different outlook, which was a freshness. I'm sure some of the older, more experienced players found it more difficult than the younger players, for sure. You know, but uh, winning the cup was uh, just the catalyst of me taking off in my career, really. And like uh, winning the cup for the first time in the club's history is uh, something special, you know, because I know I've obviously done the United's history of losing six cup finals before, you know, and and with far better teams than that we had in the cup final. But the thing, the difference that we had was we had a very good blend of young up-and-coming players and a lot of excellent, experienced pros. It was a real 50-50 mix. So we, as young players, we didn't really think anything of it, to be perfectly honest with you. Whereas sometimes when you've got that experience and you're playing against 
Rangers, who I think were going back to back treble. Yeah, that's since right. Yeah. Time, since 1974, we never even gave it. We never blinked an eye at that, you know. Whereas the older players who have went through three, four cup finals, even five cup finals, they just missing out. Probably were a wee bit more apprehensive than what our younger players were. So certainly a great fit in the amount of players that came through the youth system at Dundee United. I think there was six, seven players that started in the cup final that actually came through the, the yeah, youth system at United at the time. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, great great day, great occasion, fantastic for the, the supporters of the club, but obviously they just missed out in many occasions of actually getting their hands on the trophy, but yeah, it was great, and they had a 25th year anniversary uh, dinner uh, this May, believe it or not, and uh, we got a lovely little memento and a beautiful meal, and uh, it was great, but 25 years ago, and you think, oh my God, where has mm-hmm. the time actually gone to, you know? But uh, fantastic, uh, great, great for the club, great for the supporters, uh, and as I said, Hopefully, as I said, the, the the team will get back up to the Premier League this this season. Yeah, I think that I think this is the year that they will finally get back up there. In terms of in terms of that Scottish Cup final, David, I mean, is is that a, can can you sort of soak it up and enjoy the occasion, or is it one of those that just sort of passes you by before you know it? Well, the build up was obviously I can remember the build up fairly well. We we trained uh, in Dundee in the morning. Um, and then we set off and we went to uh, East Coast Bright Point to stay for the cup final. So a few of us went out to the cinema on the Thursday night. I think, if, I cor- if I'm correct, it was four weddings and a funeral. <laughs> and uh, at the time, the actor John Hanna was playing in the film and I think some reporter had said, any relation? And I <laughs> candidly said, oh, yeah, it's my dad, but he wasn't, obviously. <laughs> no relation whatsoever. Uh, I think a few of the guys had went to Hamilton races on the Friday and then obviously cup final Saturday, the game itself went by very quickly and I thought we deserved to win in the cup final and I didn't think we were, we just sneaked it. I thought uh, everybody played at the top of their game, you know, we, we got the rub of the green when we needed it, but, uh, you know, the, the scenes in the Sunday and coming through an open-decker bus up the main street in Dundee towards the City Hall. I mean, there must have been 30,000 people minimum, probably even more than that, and it took us forever to get to the, the City Hall. You know, it, was, it was fantastic memories, but as a young a young player, you think this is going to happen uh, all the time, but as you know, uh, things like that never usually work out the same way, you know, but <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, I'm just happy that uh, it was part of a bit of history with Dundee United. The supporters uh, certainly deserved it. Yeah, certainly. And, of course, another couple of years there, and then uh, the move to Celtic come, comes about. Um, how did that, that move all, all, all happen there, David? Um, I know there was interest uh, after the cup final from Tottenham, um, and the, there was a bid that was actually put in, and uh, Mr McLean obviously didn't think it was enough. And uh, yeah, just went from there, and I kept my head down. I went through. I had a, a bit of an injury. I picked up osteitis pubis. My my pelvic bone had actually swollen up for about three or four months, so I had to completely rest. Um, and then obviously, 
Billy Kirkwood came in as manager. Uh, Ivan got the he got relieved of his job, and uh, Billy came in, and obviously we went down, get relegation under him in the end of ninety four, ninety five. Sorry, and then I missed the majority of the league campaign in the championship because of my injury. Worked my way back to full fitness again. Billy then got, was another change of manager, and then Tommy, sorry, Tommy McLean came in. Tommy played me. I played six first team games. Celtic came in, uh, made an offer, and the rest is history, basically. And the, the, the Tottenham offer, do you ever, do you ever look back and go, what might have been if you went down there at that time, or do you not sort of uh, think no. about these things? No, do you know what? Even when I moved to Celtic, when I have a bit of hindsight now and a wee bit more maturity, I probably went to Celtic a bit earlier in my career anyway. I should have maybe have stayed at United for another 18, 24 months uh, and then looked to have uh, get a move. Um, I still think I was a little bit young and naive when I went to Celtic. Uh, you know, I was still learning the game. You know, um, thoroughly enjoyed my time there. I obviously winning the league for the first time in 10 years and winning the League Cup for the first time in 16 years. You know, it was a lot of success really early on in my career. Um, but probably in hindsight, as I said, I, I could have maybe have held back instead of United another 18 months minimum and got another 50, 60, 70 games under my belt before I then moved on. It would have probably stood me in better stead, but you never say never. You never uh, pass up the opportunity to go to an old firm team because it it might only only happen once, you know. And uh, fabulous club, um, thoroughly enjoyed my my stay there, and obviously subsequently went back to the United thereafter, you know. Yeah, then when you went to Celtic, of course they had uh, the three amigos. They called them Van Hooydonk, Cadet, and, and De Canio. What what the, what the guys like to to train with and, and play alongside? Yeah, like uh, De Canio was fantastic. He was his attitude and training was phenomenal. Um, he was always in the gymnasium. He took me under his wing, uh, took me into the gym, uh, trying because I was quite a tall but thin. Uh, type player, you know, and I try to put on a little bit of muscle, the right lean muscle and stuff like that. And he would show me what to do. And great professional, uh, great character. Uh, Pierre uh, was a little bit quieter. I didn't really know him as much. And obviously, George was a good friend of mine. <laughs> a little bit eccentric. You'll probably know me <laughs> saying that. Um, I always used to buy every single newspaper it was going uh, whenever he scored a goal, which was probably every week. So. When you went in his apartment, he used to have, I'm not kidding you, he would have like 2,000 old newspapers <laughs> all sitting there because his name was on it. So, yeah, he was a character as well. And as I said, they moved on fairly quickly, the three of them. Um, yeah. You know, and then that's where the, the real success came in. We, we managed to obviously bring in Henrik and we brought in Paul, um, who were fantastic players, and that was different, there were more team players than uh, the other three that we mentioned you know, and it sort of a gelled everything together to obviously win the league title, which was a massive thing for Celtic at the time Yeah, it certainly was, obviously when Janssen comes in, was there sort of, did you sort of sense a change in sort of outlook and the way that you're approaching that season, because obviously the pressure was on you boys to stop the, the, the 10 in a row happening Yeah I, 
how can I, how can I say this? Um, fantastic to win the league and the league cup under Wim. Um, there wasn't any real. I, I didn't feel any added pressure, uh, and I don't think the dressing room did. I think uh, we were quite quietly confident uh, that we were there or thereabouts. We knew it was going to be close, and I think Gaza just moved on maybe four months or five months before the end of the season. And Paul was a fantastic, he was a world-class player, you know, and we just thought that was the turning point that gave us the swing that season to stop, obviously, Rangers winning 10 in a row, you know. And it's fine margins. It's the same this this year of anybody watched the the cup final the other week there. I think there's no argument that Rangers were far better on the day than what Celtic were, but Celtic scored the goal. We had a couple of inspirational saves from uh, Forster, you know. So, uh, so yeah, I think uh, the gap's certainly closer now, uh, like it was when when I played there. But uh, yeah, that's all part and parcel of it when you you play for an old firm team. Yeah, it certainly is. You mentioned Henrik Larsson as well. Did did you sort of uh, know back then that you'd become as good as he would when when you played alongside him back then? Yeah, well, I had, I had the pleasure of playing with him for two years. We never saw eye to eye on many occasions, myself <laughs> and Henrik, which is fine because hey, not everybody gets on. But for one thing that, my God, he would uh, he'd train hard. Uh, he was a fantastic worker in training. His attitude was always spot on, you know, and uh, we knew as soon as he came on the pitch, you know, he was a, a real team player. And that was the biggest thing for him, you know, and uh, he went on a fantastic uh, success at Barcelona, a uh, brief stint at Manchester United. I wasn't surprised personally, no. Yeah. Um, did, when Wim left the club, did that come as a surprise to you, David? Were you disappointed to see him go? No, I wasn't personally, and I'll probably shock you. Um, hmm. I, I didn't go on with him personally, um, even although I, I played the majority of the league games. Uh, when we won the league and the league cup, I just uh, it wasn't my cup of tea. Um, having been and worked under people like Jim McLean and Paul Sturrock and people like that, and Tommy McLean and worked under Tommy Burns, and then you, you have to deal with Wim Janssen and Murdo McLeod. Um, totally different because you're you're learning from the best, and then you. You get obviously Wim coming in with his own angle on training and stuff. That happens. I I wasn't sad to see them go, um, but that's just the nature of the game sometimes. Yeah, and then Joe Venglos, of course, comes in for, for for a bit of time. Did you? Did, what did you? Yeah. What did you make of him? Joseph was fantastic, um, and I have to say, Eric Black's probably one of the best on-field coaches that I've ever worked with without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Eric was absolutely, I still think Eric's uh, on-field one of the best coaches I've worked with throughout my career that I've come across. Joseph had more of a an idea of the game. He was quietly spoken, always spoke to you uh, if you were left out of the game, but always kept you involved in his thoughts, etc. And as I said, I couldn't speak highly enough of Eric Black as a trainer. I know it uh, didn't work out for them at Celtic. I'd left probably three or four months before they actually left. Um, but I think given time, both of them would have made a, 
uh, a good impression uh, on the team. Um, because I think shortly after that, I think it was uh, Kenny Dalglish and John Barnes came in. Yeah. And that was just after I uh, just before I'd left. Yeah, but yeah. when you left Celtic, then David, were you were you sort of resigned to the fact of leaving, or were you quite happy to go back up to up the road to to Dundee? No, United? I was I was quite happy, and the reason being is I'd still over two years of my contract to go, and I'd played I think in total something like sixty four games in my two and a bit years at Celtic, which was when you actually look at it, it's actually quite high. But I wasn't a right back, I wasn't a left back. I could play centre-back, but I wanted to play in the middle of the pitch. And I was either playing or sitting on the bench. And I just thought, I'm at the age, do I want to play or do I want to just sit here? And that, it, was an easy, it was an easy choice for me. I wanted to play. I, I knew I was good enough to play and compete. Uh, obviously, with the old Ferrum players... Um, and I just wanted for my own. I wanted to get back playing regularly rather than coming on, playing two or three games, doing well, and then getting left out of the team and being sat on the bench again. Maybe a little bit naive, as I said to you earlier on. Maybe with a wee bit more uh, maturity, I would have went there 18 months later. I would have understood the game and what the process was. Um, but yeah, there was no qualms about it. Me getting uh, coming back to United was all about. Obviously, playing and uh, getting back, uh, playing every week. Yeah, it's quite admirable. In terms of the the, the, the actual old firm game, um, what was what was that like as an experience? Well, funnily enough, it's a question that's always been asked of me, and the truth, so without, I don't want to come across arrogant. It just felt like another game. The reason being is when I was at Dundee United and you played against Celtic Rangers, it was a massive game. Massive. Yeah. You knew you had to raise your game because you're playing against uh, top, top class players, like some of them world class players at the time. So when I went to Celtic and we played against the Rangers, and I, I'm, I always remember Tommy Burns pulling me in, uh, and we, I think we lost 3 1. It was Ibrox, Bo Anderson came off the bench and oh, scored. I remember two. that game, yeah. And if you remember, George scored to make it 2 2, and for some reason, uh, the linesman chopped it off offside when there was a Rangers player on the yeah. goal line. <laughs> and uh, it was a big game, but because I played against Rangers and Celtic, I knew it was a big game anyway when I was at Dundee United. So when I played for Celtic, I had the mindset, oh, it's another big game, we're playing against Rangers. That was the mindset that I had. It never put any extra pressure on me per se um, because of obviously I had that experience of playing against both clubs when I was at United, you know. Um, and Tommy had spoke to me after the game and he said, uh, fantastic. He said, Did, were you nervous? And I said, well, a little bit. I says, but not overly. And he says, well, well done. I thought, yeah, quite you yourself fairly well. And uh, yeah, it's just one of them ones that I had, as I said, uh, built up a little bit of experience playing against both uh, teams and when you're actually involved in one, because I was never allowed to go to one when I was a kid. My parents would never like, <laughs> allow me to go, you know. So the first time I ever got to an old firm game was one that I actually played in, which is quite ironic, isn't it? <laughs> Mental. And you mentioned the yeah. to- you mentioned the Tommy Burns. What I mean, what what was he like as uh, to work under? Ah, fantastic. Uh, Tommy was more not tactical, but more more motivational. I would say. It was very similar to and mould to Ivan Golak in many ways that 
Kicked more motivate you from being really at your lowest ebb and pick you up and being ready and thinking you're one of the best players in the country. You know, he was one of the kind, an absolute gentleman of a guy. Um, as I said, uh, that was his strength. It was motivation rather than, I would say, tactical. Yeah, and of course, uh, three spells again back at Dundee United, and then uh, you make the trip over to Cyprus. That's a bit left field. What, what, so how did all that come Yeah, about? well... I got a phone call um, and uh, if I wanted to go over and I thought, well, I'd, I'd basically achieve what I wanted to achieve, obviously winning the Scottish Premier League, the Scottish Cup, the League Cup. And I just thought, look, maybe a wee change of scenery. Uh, went over, uh, weather was fantastic, lifestyle was good. But uh, the club itself was in a bit of a mess, and to be, be truthfully honest with you, was a bit of a shambles, you know. Um, but you can only find these things out when you actually go and buy yourself. That was my first foray, obviously, abroad at that time, you know. And uh, a good experience, but again, uh, it's all about adding things to your, your armoury, you know, and uh, it stands you in good stead for the future. Yeah, it certainly does. You come back and go to Ross County, of course, and um, Alex Smith's a man you've worked under a, a couple of times. What, what was he like? He's a sort of he's a legendary figure, of course. And in, in, in yeah, Alex, Alex certainly old school, you know, and uh, he certainly will have your back. Um, I, I got on with him perfectly well, you know. He was always good to me. Always had a kind word to say, you know, and. Uh, oh, it was a pleasure. I loved my, my time up at Ross County. A real uh, good area. The the people at Ross County are fantastic. Uh, Roy McGregor, obviously still chairman there, does a fantastic job. We've got a good infrastructure and a good knowledge of obviously the game up there now. And I'm I'm really pleased for everybody associated with the club, the supporters, everybody up there that they, they do a right good job and. You know, and that's all down to the hard work that Roy and his board and everybody else associated with the club do, you know, and I, I thoroughly loved it. And as I said, uh, my family were still based down in the Dundee area, so I was only there for probably the best part of 14, 15 months and then came down and signed for St Johnston, um, which in many ways was a good a, a good move for me because I, I managed to travel from Dundee where my home base was and there's only 20 minutes down the road to St Johnson. Yeah, and a wee bit of time there, of course. And then, I mean, you're on the move quite a fair bit in around about 2006 time, um, the likes of Breek and Berry, and you went to Iceland as well for a, for, a, for a wee spell. Yeah, it was basically, the Breaking and Berry thing was basically just to keep me ticking over. Uh, it was never going to be anything long term. And the very situation was, let's let's say it kindly, not not the best environment I've ever been in, um, especially the way Scottish clubs are run. Um, it took me by surprise, and I quickly left. Um, it, was, it certainly wasn't for me. Uh, Breaking was basically just to help them out to the end of the season, because I knew I was going to Iceland. Basically, it was my ex uh, teammate Ziggy Jonsson. Oh, yeah. And I ended up playing probably the last five years of my career out there, uh, which I'll be honest, like playing to nearly 40 years old, I, I thought I would be lucky if I saw 34, 35. <laughs> um, but went out there, got a bit of uh, managerial experience in uh, the first division and the third division there, uh, which stood me in good stead. 
Um, and basically, just before my 40th birthday, I decided, no, that's enough. Because I certainly feel it now in the cold winter nights, <laughs> and uh, especially in the war back, you know. But I uh, thoroughly enjoyed my time there. It was uh, it was great, and it gave me an insight to uh, being a player manager at the time, which is certainly not easy. Yeah, I was going to ask, in terms of the coaching side of things, was that something that just came to you nearly the end of your career, or were you always thinking throughout that that's the sort of step you want to take once you, once you stop no. the playing? I sort I sort of uh, started to be in my head around ninety one. I did my uh, B license in uh, two thousand and one. Sorry, and then I went on and did my part of my children's license. I've got my A license. I've had now for te- over nearly ten years now. And obviously, doing my CPD to keep that up to speed as well, and I've got various uh, diplomas and and football and stuff like that that I did in Canada when I was there for six years. Um, so I've tried to go down a, a different avenue rather than jumping in at the first hurdle and uh, basically six, seven, eight months later being out of a job. Basically, I wanted to try and do my apprenticeship all over again. So if uh, the right opportunity became available, uh, I would certainly know how to deal with a board, uh, what uh, is required there. The infrastructure, as in terms of the financial aspect of how you run the club, what what basically uh, it takes to get players signed, uh, release from contracts, the ins and outs of more or less everything that happens every day in a football manager's life. I've sort of guided myself through that process over the last, I would say, eight, nine, ten years. So I've got a wealth of experience dealing with board members and stuff like that as well so it's standing me in good stead you know yeah certainly you've obviously in, in, in enjoyed some coaching spells in in Iceland like like you said then you were in Finland as well recently weren't you that a spell yeah, there yeah that was a bit that was a big breakthrough for me i went through and uh, i was like a sporting director and uh, i was due to take over from the current manager at the end of the season uh, subsequently, halfway through, I think we were 16 games into the season, bought me the league, and I found out that the club had massive, uh, and it's no secret now, uh, massive debt. Um, so the first thing that I had to do when we relieved the manager of his job, I had to step into the breach, and we had to get rid of eight first-team uh, players, I mean regular starting players. Oof. Three we got money for, and uh, the other five, we basically said, if you find yourself a team, you can leave. So eight moved on fairly quickly, uh, which was difficult, and I brought four players in for... I wasn't even a third of what uh, was going out. So I brought four in, got rid of eight, slashed the, the wage budget significantly, and I mean, like, a lot of money per month to save the club, and brought in six... Yeah, academy players, um, which probably weren't ready to go in and play in the first team, but I had no other choice. So a really difficult situation. Um, again, a wonderful experience. I know it might sound crazy to many people, but a wonderful experience as in terms of do your due diligence before you go in and sign anything as a sport director or as a, a head coach. Uh, find out financially if the club's stable. Is always a good time, 
you know, um, I certainly find out the hard way there. Um, we actually amassed more points second half of the season than we did first half. Even although the club uh, got relegated, we actually gained more points. And it was a credit to all the players. But at the end of the season, the club uh, went bankrupt. and uh, They no longer exist. But what they've done now is they've started up a team with a different name. <laughs> Same city, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so, yeah. Many good experience, but the the highlight for me was obviously coaching in the Finnish Premier League and taking, obviously, my team to HJK Helsinki, who were the champions, and drawing 0-0. And I thought, with seven, six, seven academy players and four new players that I'd brought in, I thought it was a great achievement uh, to do that, you know. So I think it was the first time in the club's history they'd managed to get a point. Wow. Never mind anything at all, you know, yeah. so... But and then, as I said, the club went bankrupt at the end of the year, and uh, the rest history, basically. Yeah, that, I mean, you must uh, obviously you've been abroad now, coaching and what have you. you must uh, do, do you like in, going and sort of sampling different footballing cultures and that sort of thing, David? And well, seeing how different teams operate. I th- I've, I've done my apprenticeship now for the past, I would say, ten years. My family is basically put up with me being away. <laughs> they've always been based here in Dundee, you know, so obviously I have to spell away in Iceland uh, the year or so in Finland and then obviously coaching out in Canada, which was more youth development than anything else. So I've got a, a full array, as I said, I wanted to go out there and try and take in as much as I possibly could, whether it be in a youth development role, whether it be a sporting director's role or whether it be a head coach's role and try and go down a different pathway. So I've, uh, obviously I'm back now in uh, Dundee in Scotland, and uh, as I said, I have a great opportunity in Rose. You know, I'm very much experienced as in terms of what needs to be done. Even though I've never really coached in Scotland before, I'm certainly uh, not inexperienced as to what's required to make things uh, successful. Yeah, absolutely. And the work you're doing at the moment is uh, Street Soccer Scotland, is that, is that correct? Yeah, I'm back in my local area uh, and I started a job just over two months ago with Street Soccer Scotland. Uh, fantastic organisation. It's been going now for over 10 years. Uh, we have a base Dundee, Aberdeen, Edinburgh and Glasgow. And basically, our basic target groups are obviously criminal justice, homelessness, people with addictions, whether that be alcohol or drugs, you know. So uh, giving something back to the local community is certainly is very rewarding um, and something that I'm obviously excited about doing is giving something back to the local people around Dundee. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, in terms of looking back to the uh, international wise, I know you represented the, the Scotland under twenty ones uh, for uh, a number of games. In terms of that experience, uh, I guess you must have felt immense pride at representing your country. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to be captain from fifteen right all the way right through to the U twenty ones. Um, and it's a real honour, you know, um, to anybody in any field uh, or whatever different sport it may be, if you represent your country, it's always a very proud moment for yourself and your family, you know. Uh, it certainly was no different. And uh, as I said, hopefully, as I said, we we put in a good uh, performance at Hamden against Israel and we can 
take that step forward uh, again to maybe try and qualify. Yeah, certainly. And in terms of um, players that you, you played with, David, in terms of maybe your toughest opponent and your and the best player that you played with, if you if you could maybe pick one, I know it may be quite difficult, but if you could pick one, is there anyone that stands out at all? Um, there's, there's been so many over the years. The best player I probably played against directly would be. Oh my God, uh, Lothar Mateus. Wow, he was a player. Uh, yeah, he wasn't bad, was he? Prozanecki wasn't he too bad Oof. either. Um, obviously, uh, Roy Keane was wasn't he a bad player in his day <laughs> either? Uh, but that was direct. To put Paul Gascoigne. Uh, my God, he was world class. Mm. Even when he was at Rangers, you know, and uh, playing alongside people like Paul McStay just before he retired, you know, it was a real pl- privilege for me to actually be on the same pitch as him, you know. So I've certainly been very lucky in the sense of playing against and playing uh, alongside some uh, wonderful, wonderful players. When you're playing, when you're playing against those guys, I mean, like you said, they're, they're world class names. Do you, do you do you sort of feel that you deserve to be uh, on the same pitch as them, and you sort of maybe raise your game and show them that, that you you can compete with these guys? Well, that's the challenge. That's the challenge for every every footballer and every sportsman. You're coming up against these world class name players, and I'm sure they're very much experienced in the fact that. This little so-and-so probably wants to knock me off my peg, you know, but it's down to the individual, you know. I always uh, appreciated playing against uh, really high-quality players. I thought it brought out the best in me, personally. Uh, it's a challenge, um, and I, lo- I love just seeing if I could actually go and compete against them. You know, that was my mentality, you know. Uh, I-, I loved it, enjoyed it, so, yeah. Excellent, fantastic. Well, David, I think that'll do us there. Thank you very much for, for joining us. I've really, really enjoyed the chat. No, thank you again, and a pleasure to speak to you. Well, that was episode 24 of the Talking Football podcast with David Hanna. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks very much again for listening as always. Remember, if you've missed any, you can catch them all on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean and at DerekClarkSport.co.uk. Remember, we're on Twitter at Talking underscore Football and Facebook as well. I hope you can join me again next week on New Year's Day, no less, with another belter of an interview. But until then, enjoy the rest of your Christmas, folks. Bye for now.